Welcome to East Texas News Roundup for the week ending September the 6th, 2019. East Texas News Roundup is a weekly review of the news in five southeast Texas counties covered by Polk County Publishing Company newspapers, including Tyler, Polk, Trinity, San Jacinto, and Houston counties by the editors of those five newspapers. Polk County Publishing News Director Valerie Riddell kicks off this week's podcast. Hey folks, this is Valerie Riddell. I'm the editor of the San Jacinto News Times, and we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on on the east side of Lake Livingston. We're getting ready for the San Jacinto County Fair and the Historical Commission's celebration that they do the last weekend of September every year. I've been speaking with Dell Everett, and they've got things ready to go at Old Town Spring. The Reverend Pius B. Moore and his son Will B. Pius are going to be out there. They're going to round up Finn Three-Eyed McNaught, who organizers say he's been convicted in a court of law and sentenced to hang for stealing chickens and goats for satanic purposes. So obviously, I mean, this is a event that's kind of centered around the legends of the past for San Jacinto County. It's going to take place there by the old jail in Old Town Cold Spring. It's a great time. Uh, you want to come out and they will give you a little humorous view of what it was like to live in the past in East Texas. Also, in the Thursday edition, we talked about several new state laws that went into effect September 1st. If you are 18, 19, and 20, you can no longer buy cigarettes. They raised legal smoking age to 21. Legislators did away with the driver responsibility program, a state law that most civil rights activists said traps low-income people into a cycle of debt. If you had to pay driver responsibility fees to keep your driver's license and your license was suspended, but yet you got to drive to get to work, it does create a a cyclical effect that you just can't get out of. I mean, a lot of people wind up spending additional time in jail for just driving with an invalid driver's license. The Cold Spring Trojans opened the season with a win over Harden, and Charles Ballard has some great shots from that game. Shepard lost to Livingston, which was a huge morale boost for the Livingston Lions. They had not won a game in over a thousand days. So next up is the cross-county rivalry, Shepard taking on Cold Spring, so I know you'll want to stay tuned for how that goes. We'll be sending out updates on Facebook and Twitter if you aren't able to be at the game yourself, so you can keep up with how that's going. Yvonne Cones has a lot of great news in her chamber column. She's addressing the Mason Jar expansion. She talks about the upcoming job fair for youth in Cold Spring. That's a great activity. Just heard a program from Barbara Justice about the great things that Workforce is doing to help everybody have a job where they can earn a living wage. On September the 7th, there's a country gospel in the country festival from 3 to 8 p.m. Their guest performers will be the Baggy Bottom Boys, Sandy Dickey, Devin Bruton, and Beverly Kay. The church is at 1391 North Butch Arthur Road in Cold Spring, so you can go out there and enjoy some country gospel music. There's going to be food and fellowship as well, and that's put on by the Big Creek Cowboy Church. Also this week, we are still putting together a story about a fatal house fire in Shepherd. Uh, we're following up with Detective Gary Sharpen on the shooting death of a young man in Shepherd, and just lots and lots of other news. Last night in Livingston, the Polk County Memorial Museum opened the new Quanah Parker exhibit. You want to go by and check that out. Polk County and the area was home to so many different Native American tribes. This is kind of your chance to get a look at how one of the first generations of Quanah and Cynthia and Ann Parker, what their life was like here just north of us. 
but we had a lot of special guests from the Alabama Cachata Tribe out for that opening, and it was much fun once had by all. For the Sunday edition of the Enterprise, we'll be putting together an explainer on Greg Abbott's multiple directives he handed down in the wake of the shootings in El Paso and Midland, Odessa. He has some things that he wants DPS to do and to set up some policies so that if you, as a good neighbor, do report a reasonable suspicion about someone, they can make sure that information gets into the hands of the right folks. Because in both the El Paso shooting that happened at Walmart and the suspect who was involved in the mass shooting that happened all along the interstate in Midland and Odessa, folks had been concerned about those two individuals for a while. So the state is trying to get together and have some formalized policies for how they can deal with that. And kudos to members of the business community who are stepping forward and are not waiting for a government solution to this long-running issue that most elected officials seem unwilling to do anything about. Walmart has changed the types of ammunition that are going to be available. And I'm just convinced in all of the conversations I've had with my own daughters, other young families, if you're trying to get in and out of a business with your children or with members of your family who are a little bit vulnerable, you want to feel safe. So, Mr. Business Owner, if you want us to come to your store, you're going to have to take the lead in either making sure it's a safe environment. It is not against the law to walk around with your firearm over your shoulder. But who is your customer base? Is it that man who wants to carry or woman who wants to open carry? Or is it those families who are here day in and day out and want to feel safe when they're in the store buying Fruit Loops for the weekend? Something to think about. I think the marketplace is going to weigh in and find some answers to our public safety problems here in the coming months. Be safe out there. Watch the heat. Calendar says September, but the thermometer says it's almost like mid-July. Y'all take care. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Hello, this is Kelly Barnes. I'm podcasting today from the office of the Polk County Enterprise in Livingston, and I would like to hear from some of you. We've been doing these East Texas News Roundups for a little while, and I'm wondering what you think about them. If you don't mind, drop me a note. My email is manager at polkcountypublishing.com. Let me know what you think about hearing the headlines from these five surrounding counties and the area in general. There is a top news story by Valerie Waddell, our news director about an open record case. So you're welcome to read the paper and see what that's all about. Open records case. And then it looks like the Chamber of Commerce here in Polk County is accepting nominations for their awards banquet. So if you know somebody or some business that you feel like should be nominated, go ahead and call the chamber up and get one of the forms and nominate these people. They'll be taking these nominations for the next little while and they'll be announced at the banquet, which is scheduled for January the 30th. There's a wall to end Alzheimer's kickoff team meeting on Tuesday, September 10th at McWilliams and Son Heating and Air Conditioning from 4 to 6 p.m. So if you're interested in doing a walk to end Alzheimer's, be sure and show up to that meeting. There's been a pet food donation by the VFW Post 8568, and the Livingston Community Concert has the first concert of this season set for September 10th. A concert paying tribute to the famed musical group, the Beach Boys, will be the first offering of the Livingston Community Concert concert. The sale on concert it will be 7.30 on Tuesday, September 10th. There was a house fire on Morrison Drive. So far, the cause is unknown. The investigation have ruled out arson. They cannot determine what the cause of the fire is, so it's still under investigation. Let's see what else we have. Oh, there's a great story in here about a gentleman by the name of James David, or J.D. Kugler. He was in World War II, a flight engineer and gunner on the B-17 Flying Fortress, and they 
they made bombing runs to Germany, Austria, Hungary from his station in Italy. That's very interesting. And there's a lot more in here about what kind of a citizen he is here in Polk County. And we'd love for you to read that story. The 60th anniversary of Brad and Marge are in the paper. And you can look at that. There's some CNA classes being offered and... You can find out information about that here in the Polk County Enterprise. Don't forget the Best of Polk County contest. The forms will be in the paper for just a few more issues. I think that we're accepting them through the Friday the 13th of September. So get your forms filled out and get them turned in. We want to know what readers think are the best places in Polk County. And we're going to let everyone know the top three places. And we'll, of course, congratulate the first place winners as the best of Polk County, but also those that are proud to be in the top three selected by Polk County residents. And we're excited about that. Each week in the paper, you can hear from Livingston ISD. They have a special page that keeps parents informed. And it also brags on the kids and what they're doing. It's hard to believe Labor Day has come and gone. We're right in the midst of hurricane season. And we've been watching Florida and South Carolina and all of them. And oh my goodness, the people on those islands that have just had their places destroyed and we've lost lives. It's a reminder that we all need to be ready in case a hurricane comes. And so we encourage you, Polk County residents, stock up on a few things and stay tuned to what's going on around you um, with the Weather Channel and with your news reports. And whenever you hear about a hurricane coming, don't wait till the last minute. Kind of have a plan already. Whose house are you going to? What are you going to need? Etc. The last hurricane that I remember, we had one house set up with a generator and then all the other people came to the one house. And that was kind of a good plan because you have to remember those generators, they use up gas and gas is hard to come by too. So there's a lot to consider. Sometimes it's just easier to travel to another place and stay with people when you can. Livingston wins. This is so exciting. We have a Livingston head football coach, Finnis Vanover, said this means everything. It's the first step to where we want to go and what we've promised them. Do what we're supposed to do and show up to work every day, no matter how bad you feel, and we'll get you there. They've been promising the kids that. They won their first game. Super exciting. And we'll continue to watch the paper to see what happens. Albert Trevino has a story here on the Bulldogs, and they had a strong second half. It says the Corrigan Camden Bulldogs had a strong start to the season with the 31-12 victory against Trinity Tigers on Friday. So they beat the Trinity Tigers. Keep watching the sports section. It's going to always keep you posted on what's going on. In case you're not aware, I'm sure most of you are, we have public notices, which are basically notices that are required by law to be in the paper to inform you. And every week there's something different. If someone has claims against an estate or someone's looking for a permit, so they'll fill out an application, they have to put that in the newspaper, a retail store, when the county's accepting bids on things so that everyone has a chance to bid, anything like that you'll find in the paper. So be sure and keep yourself informed of that. In the Thursday, September 5th issue of the newspaper, there has been Veterans of Foreign Wars post 8568 is helping local veterans by installing flagpoles And there's a new flagpole at a home right here. It looks like they install a flagpole and a new flag at the home in honor of veterans who have passed. The post also works to assist the surviving spouse and orphans of veterans. Members of the post who helped install the flagpole above was Dennis and Robert and Jim Bassett. It was Dennis Zapolak, excuse me if I'm saying it wrong, Robert Dodd and Jim Bassett. Also pictured are members of the veterans family, and that's really neat. 
There was a large narcotics bust that involved Dorothy Nettles and Joe Meadows. There was a tip that was called in, and it leads to a drug arrest. A Crime Stoppers tip led to this arrest. Brass Knuckles now legal in Texas. This is information from the Texas Tribune. I'll let you read all about that in the paper. There's been a scholarship named in James White's honor. That story's in the paper. There's a reception honoring Karen Hart McNeve. That will be Saturday, September 14th. She's a retired educator, served Livingston, Big Sandy, and Grapeland school systems. And her friends and co-workers are throwing her this reception to say goodbye. So that is something that you are welcome to do if you know her and you'd like to participate in that. This is interesting. We have a story in our paper uh, by our editor in Tyler County, Chris Edwards, and it was a Tyler County man arrested for a 1988 murder. And he's probably told you about that already. I won't go into it, but if you haven't had a chance to read it and you'd like to read it in the Polk County Enterprise, he was arrested for the murder many years later, of course, but we're glad about that. There's an animal control program. Representatives of the Polk County Sheriff's Office Animal Control were guest speakers at a recent meeting of the Livingston Rotary Club and they told club members about their efforts to build a complete animal shelter. That would be good. Dr. Scott Gordon, we've told you about him. He has been confirmed as, and is SFA's ninth president. So Stephen F. Austin State University has their ninth president. UT students begin research on zebra mussel problem. Be sure and read that story. On Friday night, September 7th, the Livingston Lions will play the Orangeville Bobcats, and this will be near the Louisiana border. I'm sure Brian will be traveling to that game. The Livingston Tennis hosts Splendora. They hosted Splendora on a hot Tuesday afternoon, and the Lion Cubs are coming off a recent 13-6 win over Huntsville, and the team is young, and it's probably the youngest team that this coach, Scotty McFarland, says he's ever had, and they're playing pretty well. They just barely lost. It was a loss, 10-9. But there's pictures of all the players here, and that's going to be good to watch as they develop. SBCA has featured Pets of the Week, Blanca, beautiful dog. And then there's a cute kitten in here, too. The SBCA is located on Houston Street, and you can go by there and check out all the animals that they have if you're interested in adopting a pet. What would you say if someone asked you to drink something you knew contained toxic chemicals? This is a don't meth with me ad. The Rotary Club puts these out, and we run them for them. But the whole idea is for all of us to know that it's not a good idea to do drugs. And this is a picture of a kid, not even once, don't do drugs. Some of the meth ingredients are drain cleaner, engine starter, methanol, farm fertilizer, paint remover, nail polish remover, and some kind of acid. So not a good idea. Good ad. Okay, remember I told you about legal notices? There's um, the Alabama Cachata Tribe of Texas is taking bids on valves. There's the retailer permit application filed. The city seeks underground electric bids. There's a notice to implement revised fixed fuel factor, and that's from Entergy. And then there's Carter Estate Seeks Claims. So if any of that is interesting to you, be sure and grab a paper. And thank you so much for listening. In Trinity County this week, a burn ban has been instated. Trinity County commissioners met on August 27th to discuss bringing in a burn ban, which they approved. They talked about a burn ban at first during commissioner's court on August 13th, but at the time decided that conditions were not necessary to implement a burn ban. But after Trinity County Judge Doug Page talked to several people in the county and several officials from bordering counties who had implemented burn bans, he and the commissioner 
commissioners decided that now was the time to implement a burn ban. While implementing a burn ban requires a commissioner's court meeting, lifting a burn ban does not. And Page has the authority to lift a burn ban whenever he sees that conditions are safe enough to do so. We also have a story from Alton Porter of the Houston County Courier regarding a high-speed police chase that took place on August 21st. 45-year-old Leif Epperson Gonzalez of Huntsville ran from the scene of a domestic dispute that took place in Trinity. The chase went up Highway 19 North all the way to Crockett to Loop 304, where he was eventually stopped by stop sticks that were deployed by the Crockett Police Department. The Crockett Police Department, the Trinity Police Department, the Houston County Sheriff's Department, and Texas Department of Public Safety contributed to Gonzalez's arrest. Gonzalez was charged with aggravated assault of a public servant, evading arrest in a vehicle, assault family violence, criminal mischief, and theft. And as of press time, he was being transferred to either Polk County or San Jacinto County. Football season is here. The Trinity Tigers, Groveton Indians, and Apple Spring Eagles all started their seasons last Friday. The Indians were victorious over Houston County rival Lovelady, 53 to 26. Trinity, on the other hand, let a 12-10 lead slip away against Corrigan Camden over in Polk County as the Bulldogs ran away with a 31-12 victory. Apple Springs was unable to get things started in a 54-14 loss to Conroe Covenant Christian. We have photos of the games in a standalone art package designed by Amanda Barker, and we will have more on these games in next week's editions. Speaking of Trinity, Sean Stout, class of 95 at Trinity High School and assistant principal at Trinity Middle School decided to step down from his duties as head softball coach. Stout remains the Trinity Middle School assistant principal and he remains a football assistant. He will now be a boys basketball assistant. Stout, who had two stints as head softball coach at Trinity, the first being 2008 to 2013 and the second being 2016 to 2019. The latter four, he coached his daughter Mallory, who who now plays at Centenary College in Shreveport. Stout cited family reasons and the need to help Trinity Middle School improve on its star testing results, which they were the only campus in the county to receive a failing grade, as the reasons for stepping down from softball. His son, Jace, who is a senior, plays for the Trinity football and boys basketball teams, and he will get to coach Jace his senior year in an assistant role, which allows him to be home for the spring and travel to Shreveport or wherever Centenary College softball plays. Centenary is in the Southern Collegiate Athletic Conference in softball, and they play against six Texas schools. The University of Dallas, defending national champion Texas Lutheran, Southwestern, Shriner, Austin College, and Trinity University in San Antonio. And the city of Groveton approved its budget for the 2019-2020 fiscal year. The budget is $1 $354,304. $599,000 is for general fund and allotments. The utility fund is $794,000. And general funds break down to $110,000 for streets and bridges, $2,000 for the airport, $29,000 for fire and health, and $85,000 for general administration. Howdy, everybody. Chris Edwards here coming at you from the office of the Tyler County Booster and bringing you news and events from Tyler County taken from the pages of this week's edition of the Tyler County Booster. 
So, we are now in September. I guess since Labor Day is out of the way, um, we're moving forward with the month and it's not quite worn in like a good old shoe or anything, but we are inching closer toward fall, yet it seems the days are just getting hotter and hotter and the, the mercury is climbing up into numbers I don't even care to repeat. But be that as it may, fall will be here before you know it and hopefully the temperatures will <laughs> reflect that a bit. <laughs> Hope springs a Eternal, but hey, I'm a bit of an optimist sometimes. Our top story this week is actually something that I mentioned in the last edition of the Roundup, but it had just broken Tuesday, actually after we had already gone to press. And it has to do with a 30-year-old cold case that arrest was made in connection with. It's happened in 1988, this murder of uh, Patricia Ann Jacobs in Hardin County. Actually, she was from Hardin County, but her body was found in Jefferson County right beneath the Rainbow Bridge over the, the Natchez River. The man who was arrested was a Warren resident named Daniel Andrew McGinnis. Now, in our society, there's these unsolved mysteries that go unsolved, these cold cases that languish in police files and go unsolved for many, many years, sometimes even centuries. Some of the more famous ones you hear about and read about, Jack the Ripper and the Black Dahlia. And of course, there's some that don't involve any murder or mayhem, like, you know, D.B. Cooper, the Skyjacker. Nobody knows what happened to him. He just seemed to parachute out of a plane with a bunch of stolen money, but nobody knows exactly what happened to him. And you have all these things like that never go solved and, and turn cold, but they're interesting to read about and to see movies made about. And I know that I always like the show Unsolved Mysteries and Robert Stack he used to play Elliot Ness on TV back in the day, but when he did the Unsolved Mysteries narration, it always sounded so cool. Certain stories on there, just the way he delivered them. But my point in all of that is that whenever one of these horrible crimes is solved or looks like it's going to be solved when an arrest is made, it's a good thing because you have closure brought to whatever surviving family of the victim or victims, and you have a display of the justice system working. And the district attorney of Jefferson County, Bob Wortham, his office did comment that cold cases like this, we're going to, whether it's 30 years or three years ago, we're, we're going to do our damnedest to solve them. And McGinnis right now is in the Jefferson County jail on a $1 million bond. He was arraigned last Wednesday before one of the JPs there in Jefferson County. And the way this case was solved utilized DNA technology. Technology, which, when the crime happened in 1988, DNA technology was just at the forefront. Uh, Texas didn't really have a big, wasn't as widespread or available, but flash forward to 2019, they were able to take evidence that was recently discovered within the last few months, and they were able to develop a DNA profile from some of these pieces of evidence. And McGinnis, being a convicted sex offender, his DNA was on file with the DPS crime lab, and so they were able to get a, a match from the evidence and they made an arrest. And so again, this just broke last week and we will bring you any updates on it as they transpire. We have a story in this week's edition of The Booster about our state representative. He's a good guy who's been doing some great things and is honored in a really cool way, I felt. Representative James White, who if you know Representative White, you know that two of his biggest passions are in criminal justice reform and also, as a former educator, he is very passionate about educational 
opportunities. And those two things kind of came together in a way to honor him recently. The Texas Young Republican Federation named a scholarship in his honor. Now, the scholarship, which is being called the James White Second Chance Scholarship, is a $500 annual scholarship, or it's granted annually to a first-time offender and a recent mother in order to help with continuing education, starting a business, or other training. The first winner of this scholarship will be announced in October at the Texas Young Republican Federation Convention, which takes place in Houston. There was a spokesperson from the Young Republican Federation, Jason White, who went on record and made some statements about Representative White and about the scholarship and said that basically the Federation, they are a young Republican group with several chapters all over the state, and they go to bat for certain causes. And criminal justice reform is one of the things that they're passionate about, which is a hot button issue. That's something that's not just being discussed at the state level, but also nationally as well. There's a lot of talk about criminal justice reform. I mean, that's a pretty broad category, but you have you know, people going to bat for the reform of private prisons. And But Representative White, he's been very committed to this cause and different topics within it for a long time, ever since he was first elected in 2010, and he served on the Corrections Committee in the House. And the Texas Young Republican Federation, they noted that in this past legislative session that just ended in May, that out of 100 bills that it supported, 16 of them were filed by Representative White. And they made note in a press release announcing the scholarship of all the work that he had done for the cause. And also, Representative White passed a bill into law this last session, House Bill 650, which was written to better ensure nutrition and medical treatment for women who give birth in Texas prisons. It also limited the use of restraints and solitary confinement for pregnant women. And Vaughn, who presented this honor to Representative White for a camera, you can see the video online and everything on their website, called the bill one of the most amazing he had seen of its kind. So kudos to Representative White and also kudos to the lucky recipient of this bill who will be on their way to getting a second chance. That's what a lot of our society is about philosophically, second chances. And also, let me note another thing that mentioned in the story about this. Texas Monthly Magazine, they recently named Representative White to their list of the top 10 best legislatures in the state. Or legislators, excuse me. And after every legislative session, they do the top 10 best and the top 10 worst legislators. And I always forward. I've been a longtime reader of Texas Monthly Magazine, and they do things like that. And they also do the Top 50 Barbecue Joint list. The legislators list is always interesting. And that was the first time Representative White was named to it. But our big reason why he was named to it was because of his efforts in criminal justice reform. And the article made ample note of that. So again, kudos to Representative White. He's a great guy. And you know, he's been working for us for first elected in 2010. So District 19 has a good guy, a statesman in, in the state house. So along Along those lines, speaking of the last legislative session, which was the 86th legislative session, we have a story this week about some of the new laws that went into effect as of September the 1st. There's a few big ones that a lot of people are talking about or that are fairly commonly discussed in social media and even in casual conversation. Out of the 820 bills that were passed in the law that went across Governor Abbott's desk, we chose a few of them that we thought would be of interest to people in our 
area they might want to make note of. There's a list of the new laws, but also a story that frames it about the new tobacco law. As of September 1st, the minimum age to purchase tobacco products was raised from 18 to 21. And Kim Bartell, who is a counselor with the Alcohol and Drug Abuse Council, wrote the story and as kind of a public service announcement about tobacco use, but also to make people mindful of the new minimum age for buying tobacco products. And there's some statistics in there and so forth. Check that out. But here's some of the new laws that you might want to be mindful of that are now laws in the state of Texas. This is one that I've heard a lot about or seen a lot of conversation on social media. Unsolicited pictures. So now it is a class C misdemeanor to send an unwanted, unrequested, indecent photo by text or dating app or email or any other platform to someone. If you're chatting somebody up or trying to online and you send them a naughty picture, that is a class C misdemeanor now if the recipient doesn't ask for it. And anyone found guilty of this could face a $500 fine. And of course, the tobacco law, 21 years of age, is now cut off or now the minimum age. And that includes not just cigarettes and snuff and those kinds of things, but also e-cigarettes as well. Interesting to note, though, that the law does not apply to those in the military. But violators of this law will face a misdemeanor and up to $500 fine. CBD oil. A bill legalized hemp farming and the sale and possession of hemp-derived CBD oil containing less than 0.3% of THC, which is the compound that gets you high in cannabis. And this is one of those things that, that erases a lot of gray area. If you drive around any town, I mean, small towns, big cities, whatever, you will see these shops that advertise CBD oil and, and CBD products are being used in a lot of applications from being used with cancer patients to help keep their appetites up or to help kind of stave off some of the problems associated with chemo regimens and so forth. Or it's being given to a lot of epileptics that suffer seizures and things of that nature. But for a while, there's been kind of a gray area that existed with the products because of the kind of stringent laws on anything hemp or cannabis related in Texas, but the legalization of hemp does take away that gray area, so that's a good thing. Cough medicine. There's a law now about cough medicine. As of September 1st, you will have to be 18 to buy over-the-counter cough medicine. And the reason why this was passed was because that some lawmakers were concerned with teenagers using cough medicine to obtain a high off of. And Texas is actually the 19th state to do this. Brass knuckles is another one. You can have brass knuckles. You can carry brass knuckles now. They've been illegal up until September 1st. But of course, you can't use them. That's still a second-degree felony to attack someone with brass knuckles. So I guess if you can buy them, if you're a collector. And there, there are several other laws covering everything from stiffening fines of package thefts to obtaining your hunting and fishing licenses on your digital device to beer to go, lemonade stands. Laws were passed to, that apply to a lot of facets of life and a lot of, a lot of different things and transactions. So be sure to grab the Tyler County Booster this week and check out that list and see what laws you might need to be mindful of. That's just a few things that are going on in our neck of the woods or have happened. And again, I hate to sound like a broken record, but be sure to pick up the Tyler County Booster this week. It's three quarters, which I think is a bargain. And also there's, we've recapped sports across the county. Football teams had their first regular season games this last week and news of all that. And this week we're doing a spotlight on the Warren Warrior varsity and JV football squads. And they ended their winless streak and they won last Friday. Friday against the Huntington Red Devils, 27-17, so go Warriors. All righty. 
Well, I think it's about that time. Again, I want to thank everybody for listening to this installment of the East Texas News Roundup. My name is Chris Edwards. You guys have a safe and fun weekend and be good to one another and yourselves and catch you next time. Hello, East Texas. This is Tony Browning, and I want to welcome you to the news from Houston County. This week's edition of the Houston County Courier is full of local news and happenings. Coming up this Saturday, September 7, is the yearly fundraising event for Kalen Center. The Boots and Bling event enables the Kalen Center to help sexually abuse children in Houston and Trinity County. Sexual abuse of a child should never happen, but people like you can help make a difference in the lives of the children it does happen to. The life tributes we have in the September 5 newspaper are for Martha Manning, Arletta Roberts, Carolyn Huntsman, Robert Welch, and Doris Brown. If you have an online subscription, you can look at life tributes from our website at hccourier.com. The cost of an online subscription is $30 a year. If you already have a subscription to receive your paper in the mail, you can add on the online subscription for just $10 more. We've had our first football game winners this week. First place went to Jadarius Pruitt, second place to Robert Cousins, and third place went to Tammy Cousins. The prizes this year are amazing. First place receives a $30 gift certificate from either Stockman Steakhouse or Cattleman's Cafe. Second place receives a gift certificate from Whataburger, and third place receives a free oil change from Cutshaw Chevrolet. Remember to send your entries by Friday of each week. This week, see the entry form on page 8B. Now, here is Alton Porter with our front page news. Thank you, Tony, and hello everyone in East Texas. Before I get to the front page news in this week's Courier, I have a note about a meeting of the Houston County Hospital District Board of Directors that was held after we went to press Tuesday, too late for us to get a story about it in this week's paper. Members of the Houston County Hospital District Board are in the process of building the district's fiscal year 2019-2020 budget and deciding on the property tax rate they will use uh, for the upcoming fiscal year. And they held a meeting and special hearing on those two matters exclusively Tuesday evening, September 3rd. The board members are scheduled to hold a second hearing and meeting on those two subjects Friday, September 6th, beginning at 5.30 p.m. This second meeting and hearing is to be held in the Crockett Medical Center cafeteria. The board members are moving quickly. They are expected to take action to set the tax rate at a meeting next Tuesday, September 10th. Now, at this past Tuesday's hearing and special meeting, the hospital district directors announced two proposed ad valorem tax rates and a corresponding budget for each of the two rates as prepared by Dick Merkerson, uh, the district's outside accountant. One of the proposed rates is a carryover from the current fiscal year. It is 14.9405 cents per $100 of assessed property valuation. The district's proposed budget with this tax rate projects $3,354,228 in income and estimates $3,703,097 in expenses with a $348,000 $869 shortfall. The other proposed rate is the district's calculated effective rate. It is 13.6623 cents per $100 of assessed property valuation. The district's proposed budget associated with this tax rate projects $3,201,998 in total income and $3,653,097 in total expenses. Expenses are $451,099 more than income with this tax rate and in this budget. 
The board members appeared to be divided on which of the two tax rates and corresponding budget they should adopt. Either way, the district would have an estimated beginning cash balance of $400,000 on October 1st, the outset of the next fiscal year. For the complete story on the hospital district's tax rate and budget, as well as other matters addressed by the board members at the September 3rd and upcoming September 6th and September 10th hearings at special meetings, see the Thursday, September 12th issue of The Courier. Now to the front page news in this week's Courier, the Thursday, September 5th issue. Our lead story and accompanying photo is about the visit of U.S. Congressman Kevin Brady and State Congressman Trent Ashby with the owners and executive officer of Crockett Medical Center on Wednesday, August 28th. Brady and Ashby met privately with Dr. Kelly Shimlin and Dr. Subir Shikaro, owners of the hospital, and Tommy Johnson, the hospital's chief executive officer, to discuss some of the problems of providing rural health care, especially and specifically some of the barriers that exist in law that hopefully can be alleviated to make it easier for rural hospitals to survive in America. Former U.S. Congressman Jim Turner, a Crockett area resident and passionate supporter of the hospital, also attended the private meeting. After the private session, Brady, Ashby, and Turner spoke to a gathering Crockett Medical Center employees, hospital district directors, and others to let them know they are in full support of the hospital. Shonen and Shakara also spoke to those who attended the gathering. This hospital is crucial to Crockett and Houston County, the whole region, Brady said. As I quote him, he continued, I hear this all the time, and having this miracle come to us, that is, two physicians, Dr. Kelly and Dr. Sabir, coming in, just going all the way on saving this hospital and emergency room has been remarkable. See our complete story about Brady's and Ashby's visit in the paper. In another front page story, we report on Thursday, August 29th's meeting of the Crockett Economic and Industrial Development Corporation as board of directors at which the owners of the city's new industrial resident, Texas Futuria, announced that construction will begin on Texas Futura's used oil re-refining facility in the Economic Development Corporation's industrial park in the near future. The company's owners told the courier, we're just waiting on the utility certificate, that is the certificate of availability for electricity, water, sewer, natural and fiber optics data, as well as to receive some permits from the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality and some other details to be finalized before plant construction will begin in about two months. They said the facility will be up and running in about eight months. It is expected to employ somewhere between 10 to 15 people right off the bat. Also on the front page in this week's Courier is a police story. Crockett police are investigating a rash of vehicle burglaries that recently occurred in a residential area on the east side of the city. Police have increased patrols in the neighborhood where the burglaries occurred, as well as other areas of the city. Crockett PD Chief Clayton Smith told the courier, Police department personnel received several calls from residents who reported that their automobiles were burglarized during the early morning hours one day early last week, and police officers were responded to all of the calls. All of the victims accounts of the incidents have been pretty much the same, Smith went on to say, adding, they, the victims that is, said they woke up one morning and either found their vehicle doors partially open or ajar. 
or once they got into their vehicles, they found that their glove boxes and their consoles had been rummaged through. Smith said the vehicles were parked in the driveways outside the victims' homes. He said most of the victims had left their vehicles unlocked, so we want to encourage people to keep their vehicle doors locked and to remove all valuables from inside the vehicles when you go in for the night, Smith said. Now, on the sports front, Courier Sports Editor Larry Lamb reports that the Crockett Bulldogs convincingly defeated the Buffalo Bisons 44-21 in their first game of the 2018 football season last Friday, August 30th which they played on new turf that was laid on their field in their home stadium over the summer. The Crockett Bulldogs will play at home, the Garrison Bulldogs, this Friday, September 6, beginning at 7.30 p.m. The Grapeland Sandys footballers also were victorious in the season opener last Friday, August 30, scorching the Milano Eagles 44-9 in Milano. The Sandys would take their show back on the road this week, Friday, September 6, beginning at 7.30 p.m., when they will face the Cayuga Wildcats in Cayuga. Now, the Lovelady Lions weren't as successful in their season opener, which they played at home last Friday, August 30th. They lost to the Gulf Indians. The score was 52-26. to 26. This Friday, September 6th, the Lions head to Tenahaw, where they will play the Tenahaw Tigers beginning at 7.30 p.m. In volleyball action, the Texo Lady Tigers varsity team defended their home court last Friday, August 30th, defeating the Crockett Lady Bulldogs in three sets. However, the Crockett Junior Varsity Volleyballers defeated the Latexo JV team in two sets. Well, that's it for now from Houston County. Until next time, have a great week.